I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, August 20th, 2020. I'm Trey Yinks. Doctors are changing the way they practice medicine amid the coronavirus outbreak. This situation has transformed things tremendously, and, and I think uh, we're going to see, you know, even after this pandemic, just uh, a lot of innovations, a lot of changes in how healthcare is delivered, leveraging things like telemedicine. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. Despite coronavirus spreading around the world, millions of people each day still need to see the doctor for a variety of other reasons. To reduce the risk of contracting the virus are moving often to telemedicine whenever possible. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Dr. Robert Bollinger, professor of infectious diseases at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Starting first in Spain, where more than 6,000 people tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday alone. The country is struggling to control a second wave of the virus after reopening much of the economy this summer. Spanish teachers in Madrid announced they will go on a one-day strike the day classes are set to resume in September. Despite protective measures that will be taken for students, there is still a major risk of reopening schools. Now to Japan, that reported more than 1,000 new cases of COVID-19 yesterday. With more than 60,000 total cases, the Japanese have done well relative to their population size. Right now, restaurants and bars that serve alcohol in Tokyo, for example, must close at 10 p.m. More restrictions could go into place in the coming days if infection rates rise. Finally, in Mexico, more than 530,000 total cases have been reported. Officials said this week that COVID-19 is on a sustained decline in the country, though last week more than 4,000 people died of the virus. The Mexican government this week announced it will receive around 100,000 PCR coronavirus tests from Germany. In the next few days, distance learning will start for Mexican students who will watch educational programs on TV instead of going to a classroom. Schools, offices, and medical facilities have learned to adapt not only in Mexico, but around the world in the wake of COVID-19. Telemedicine was growing even before, uh, you know, as a, as a tool uh, for healthcare, even before the COVID uh, pandemic hit us. This is Dr. Robert Bollinger, professor of infectious diseases at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. But obviously it's, uh, it's really, this, this situation has transformed things tremendously. And, and I think uh, we're going to see, you know, even after this pandemic, just uh, a lot of innovations, a lot of changes in how healthcare is delivered, leveraging things like telemedicine. Um, you know, the challenges uh, for patients and providers uh, that we're beginning to try to overcome include things like access, right? So for patients, they've got to actually have the, uh, you know, the access to the, to the bandwidth, they've got to have the devices, and they've got to be comfortable using them. They also have to trust that, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, medical information, that the information is confidential, that it's, um, you know, it's not going to be hacked, for example. And providers have the same concerns. Um, we also have to make sure that the care we deliver using telemedicine is achieving, you know, healthy outcomes, right? We, wanna, we don't want to replace, uh, you know, other kinds of care with, with suboptimal care. So we want to make sure that people actually benefit from that kind of, a, uh, that kind of a support. And I think, you know, increasingly uh, people, and particularly uh, doctors as well, are recognizing that we can deliver certain types of care, high-quality care, uh, in certain situations to patients uh, using telemedicine. Do you envision this scenario will continue following the COVID-19 outbreak? Is this something that is saving money to medical facilities, for example? 
Well, I'm not sure if it's saving money at the moment, but I think the train's left the station as far as, um, you know, home-based care and telemedicine is concerned. Um, I think we're going to see increasingly um, wider use of, of it even after COVID. Whether it saves money or not, I, I'm not sure. I mean, there are issues now about reimbursement that need to be sorted out. And, um, and I, you know, I think in some situations now, health systems are losing money because they're, they're not able to get reimbursed uh, for, for you know, to the same extent for some of the telemedicine uh, services that are provided. We're seeing industries across the board sort of shift the focus to whether it's looking at schooling and distance learning or shopping and ensuring that those who are at a store can socially distance. How do you see this being the next step for the larger schooling system around the world? I think we've seen a lot of creative ideas, you could say, in terms of how to get kids back to school. In in Mexico, for example, they're going to start learning by watching television programs that are educational in nature and eventually work their way back into the classroom. But there is this major concern because we've seen countries around the world who tried to keep schools open like Israel and then saw a massive second wave of the virus. What are the biggest concerns that you see with schools opening and how can telemedicine help with those issues well i think we all want uh, our kids to be back in school face-to-face school Um, so hopefully if we can get our uh, hands around this epidemic this will be a temporary challenge Um, but in the meantime i think we've got to find ways to ensure that the kids that come to school are coming to in a safe environment that the teachers are protected from risk and, and the other staff and that the kids don't take virus home to their own families and put their own families at risk for serious disease. Um, and I think um, you know, telemedicine in the meantime can, uh, can support uh, that. It's not gonna replace face-to-face teaching, um, but there are probably strategies that we can uh, try to implement now that'll optimize um, the, you know, the value of that education. But again, we have the same concerns with healthcare. We have to, you know, not every child has access to Wi-Fi. Not every child has access to a, a laptop. Um, so there, you know, the disparities that we see in education are, are, are going to be magnified um, during this time where we have to rely on um, remote learning. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that this magnifies sort of social economic issues across the board having a, a pandemic? Because as you note, not everyone has access to the same resources. And when things are shifting to an online world, whether it's Wi-Fi or, or even access to a computer, people may be at a disadvantage, not only to get education for their children, but also just to get medical care. Well, absolutely. And as I said, that's one of the concerns we have about telemedicines to make sure that there's equal access or adequate access for all segments of the society. And, you know, unfortunately we have disparities in, in health, uh, and we've had that before COVID, of course, um, and it's certainly magnified in the, in the times of a pandemic or any kind of, uh, uh, you know, any kind of health issue is going to be worse than those who are, who are disenfranchised or, or uh, fewer resources. So, yeah, absolutely. You've been listening to Dr. Robert Bollinger, professor of infectious diseases at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. We'll be right back. What's your take on the the COVID-19 outbreak? Uh, I think that we hear often from infectious disease specialists, professors, and the likes around the world, and everyone seems to have a slightly different take on how to get this under control and 
how well governments around the world are doing. Where do you see the global society right now? Well, um, you know, that's a that's a, a broad question, but, uh, you know, let's let's start first with our own country, for example. Um, you know, I'm, you know, one of the people that's just really um, frustrated and, and, and concerned about where we are and where we've come uh, with as far as a country. You know, we've had over 170,000 deaths of, of Americans. Uh, and to put that in perspective, that's more than all the Americans that died of a stroke last year. That's, you know, three times as many who died during the Vietnam, of Americans who died during the Vietnam War for tw- over 20 years. And this is in six months, we've had over 170,000 deaths. And, you know, one in four deaths of from COVID in the world are, are Americans. And so it's really been a tremendous um you know, hardship and, and terrible pandemic for our own country. We've certainly seen other countries manage it better, um, and we have lessons to learn from that. Um, and I think um, hopefully one of the lessons we learn over the long term as a society and, and even as a country is that uh, we've, we've got to uh, do a better job in, in our public health systems. We've got to do a better job in how we communicate uh, public health issues um, to the public. And we have to be able to, uh, as, as citizens, we have to be willing to listen and, and pay attention to the advice that we get from public health issues so we can, you know, mitigate some of this. Um, it, there's still a chance that we could flatten the curve here in the United States uh, even further, but, you know, we have to be willing to do it. Um, other countries have shown that they, they're able to do it. Uh, and uh, up until this point, it's, it's been a cha- much more of a challenge here than I would have expected. And, and um it's quite frustrating, quite disappointing. I mean, I was expecting a lot more of, of us um, as leaders in, in, in the world, uh, both in healthcare and, and economically, to do a better job with this. But hopefully these are lessons that we can learn. And I think, you know, we also have to recognize that it's not just about us. You know, when we wear a mask or we socially distance or we practice the, those uh, those interventions that reduce the risk, we're protecting others in the community. It's not just about us. Um, and I think that's an important lesson to keep in mind for future epidemics, and they will come. What's your biggest concern about the vaccine rollout in the United States? I do think people are looking for when that vaccine will come. And and I, I guess my question is, do you see it as something that will be not necessarily a magic bullet, but will will dramatically change the the numbers that we're seeing and the outbreak and and how far away is that i think a lot of people see that a vaccine could be done by the end of the year but but actually getting it into the population and and changing how severe the outbreak is how far out are we from that in your opinion probably the first step of course is to make sure we have a vaccine that's that's not only safe but works before we we get you offer it to millions and millions of people that that's really important that's the stage we're in now is doing the trials and the, and the testing. Um, I'm confident, cautiously confident, that eventually we're going to we're going to, you know, develop a vaccine or maybe multiple vaccines that are going to be effective and safe. We may find, for example, that some vaccines work better or are safer in some populations, say older people versus younger people, or pregnant women versus other groups, for example, or people with with uh, other risk factors might might need a, a different vaccine than, than, than other healthy populations. These are some of the challenges that we're going to have to be facing as we roll out of a, a vaccine a strategy, even after the vaccines are developed. And of course, there's, you know, if people don't, uh, aren't confident in and don't uh, uh, accept the vaccine in certain communities, then, then um, it's not going to have the same impact. But if, if 
if if we can develop a safe vaccine uh, or multiple vaccines, and we can get that delivered and get confidence uh, in the community to 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 be vaccinated, I, I'm confident we can turn this around. We're not going to. I don't think we're going to ever eradicate um, COVID uh, from the planet. I, I think it's going to. My hope is that this becomes like a regular influenza epidemic that we have vaccines that will significantly impact um you know the 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 damage that this this virus is doing now uh, in the future because uh, you know and, and and for goodness sake we we you know we really i don't think we can wait for a vaccine you know we've already got as i, as I said we have thirty thousand americans dying every month millions of people out of work millions of kids out of school it's going to take time to get the vaccine ready manufactured and distributed as you said and some people are going to refuse to be vaccinated so we have to really continue a parallel track of not only vaccine development but also continuing the other strategies that are necessary um, uh, to to control the epidemic and if we do that and we do it together uh, as a real community then i think we can turn this around really appreciate your your insight and perspective on this it is important amid this outbreak and and i think Clear heads hopefully will prevail in all of this. Dr. Bob Bollinger, the Raj and Kamla Gupta, Professor of Infectious Diseases at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine. Dr. Bollinger, thank you again for your time. Thank you, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.